Now, we are in the book of Acts, and today we are going to be on Pentecost, okay? Acts chapter 2, Pentecost is going to be a year-long series, and today we're in Acts 2, Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit falls upon God's people. And today, we are going to be on the part where the Holy Spirit, when He falls into on His people, gives them kind of like they, they, they're transformed, right? They start speaking in tongues and things. But one of the ways in which the Holy Spirit coming upon His people, uh, one of the ways God changes them is that He births among them a new family. He creates them into a new community. And without the Holy Spirit, it's going to be really hard for people who are very different, for people who otherwise on normal terms would not have gathered to become friends and collaborators and partners in the gospel. But by the enabling of the Holy Spirit, when He comes, He births a new family. He births a family of faith. And we're going to see that over the course of the book of Acts. But we are also going to see it over the course of this year, right here in our church. Because building this new, kind of like, this new family, this new redeemed people coming together is part of what we're doing here. So this year we are having our first ever church camp. All right, only, only like one third of you are going to church camps, eh? right? This year, we're having a church camp. Now, we've had two years of pandemic, you know, behind us, right? We really wanted to go on a camp, right, in 2020. We really wanted to go on missions trips in 2020. We really wanted to gather, take everyone away, you know, and really get into a place where we can hear God and, and, and worship and bond and makan and play games and, and, and all those things. And now, we finally can. Amen, church? We finally can. So, if you want to register for camp, scan this QR code, not the one before, okay? And tell us that you want to go for camp. You know, you don't have to pay on the spot, uh, but there, there's a fee, there's a closing date. It's all on your screens. So, I really want to encourage you to come for camp. Especially, now here it is, especially if you're new, okay? So, we've got some of us who are newer, you know, especially if you're new. Why? Because it's in a camp where we kind of let our hair down and we don't have like 12 o'clock, you know, chasing us to wrap up here. We get the whole day. We get to go out to town. We're going to be in Grand Kampa, by the way, yeah? We're going to be in Kampa, okay? And so, we get to go out and makan, eat the salted chicken and the many other things that's there in Kampa. So, come for camp because it is in camp where we become not just a gathering, but we become a family, okay? In camp, we're going to go from being just a gathering of people to becoming a family of believers. And I know for some of you, um, uh, you might be new, you might be thinking, okay, uh, this is not yet my family, you know? You know what? You know what? My own journey in church, where I became, felt like I became more and more part of it, two things. One is serving Two is, you know, uh, 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 going away, right? Going away in cells, going together uh, in things like camps, the early YA camps, getting involved in those things. So it's in these moments where you really, your roots, God lets them go down. And when you let your roots down, God lets you take root and grip the earth, you know? And then you realize that you're no longer just a potted plant. You become a plant planted in the soil and you hold and when you can when you're no longer a potted plant you know a potted plant you can take it in and take it out you can drop it into any environment and it will be there it will it will grow it will still grow 
it will still flourish to whatever extent that the size of the pot allows it to flourish. But when you plant that thing into the ground, when it takes root, when it can grow, and it's no longer its 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 root system is no longer limited to the to, to the perimeter of the pot, it can stretch out. The plant can grow higher, taller, stronger, and let's hope the fruit can be more luar biasa. Amen? Amen? So I want to encourage all of us not to be potted plants in the kingdom, but to find the right place so that you can let your roots down. Amen? Church camp. Alright? Now, back. Sorry? Okay, yes. So, um, children uh, uh, will, will have a reduced fee. When you go to the, to, 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 the, to the registration, you can see the fee for children. Okay? It's, and, and that's, yes. And if you find it difficult to pay this fee, okay? So, for whatever reason, okay, you find it difficult to pay this fee, there is a box for you to check that says, I need help for sponsorship, okay? Check that box, let us know, and we're going to help you out, okay? We're going to help you out to come to camp. But nobody should be excluded from camp. Please, number one thing, don't let this put you off camp, okay? Okay? Everybody, don't let this put you off camp. If this is going to put you off camp, come to camp, tell us that this is going to be difficult, we'll solve those problems for you. That's our job. Our job is to bring you to camp. Your job is to say yes, okay? Alright? Cool? Okay? How many, how many of you guys, you're feeling a yes? Alright, alright. Yeah, okay. Huh? I'm not gonna do this twice, okay? I, I'm not gonna jam this up. Alright, cool. Acts chapter 2, okay? Um, Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, okay? And, and so it's extraordinary. By the way, a little bit of background on Pentecost for the Jewish people, because Pentecost was not always associated with the Holy Spirit falling. Pentecost to the ancient Jews is 50 days after the Passover coming out of Egypt. So 50 days after coming out of Egypt, God gives Moses the law. Or if I may put it differently, 50 days after God, uh, the, God leads His people out, He gives them a new way to live. Pentecost is God giving His people a new way to live 50 days after a major transition. Okay? And we're going to see Pentecost round 2. Pentecost round 1 was transition out of Egypt into the promised land through the sea. 50 days later, God gives them a new way to live. Today, we are here in the New Testament. Jesus died on the cross, resurrected. They have done the exodus, the second exodus. The final exodus is complete, right? Jesus has taken them across, out of the death of Egypt, into the life of the promised land, through the death and resurrection on the cross. 50 days later, He gives them a new way to live. What is this new way to live? Acts chapter 2. I'm going to read it. You guys are going to follow. But last week, I told you guys, bring your physical Bibles. And if you are the kind who is prepared to chonteng a little bit on your physical Bible, please whip out your stationery and start taking notes. If you're not, then take notes elsewhere because we want to grow, we want to learn, we want to love our Bibles, right? I always say, you want to learn it and love it. Right? Right here, right? That's what we are going to do. So, Acts 2. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested 
on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews devout men from every nation under heaven. So these are migrants, uh, this is the diaspora. They are Jews, but they are living elsewhere already, right? From every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, are, there, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt and all parts um, of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome. So it's, it's like everywhere, right? Throughout the whole Levant, through Europe, all the way until Rome. Okay? Both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others, there's always this others. There's always those who are uh, amazed and then there's always the others. But others, mocking, said they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, at this point it's, it, it, it's, they, they've replaced Judas okay, with Matthias. Okay, so there's, um, no, at this point they have, they have replaced Judas. They have replaced Judas, right? Um, with Matthias. Standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice, addressed them Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you. And give ear to my words, for these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on earth below. Blood fire, vapour of smoke, and the sun shall be turned to darkness, the moon to blood, before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Peter goes on, men of Israel, hear these words. Because Now, just a little bit here, because I'm not going to come back to this slide later. Peter has just said, Joel chapter 2 is the explanation for what you see here. The explanation is not that they are drunk. They are not drunk. They are fulfilling this here. What you're witnessing is a fulfillment of Joel chapter 2. This is a fulfillment of sons and daughters going to prophesy, young men see visions, old men see dreams, maidservants, men servants, essentially across community and society. Tak ada pangkat tinggi, tak ada pangkat rendah. Everybody is going to have received the power of the Lord and they will all prophesy, they will all manifest the power of the Holy Spirit. And he's saying that, men of Israel, 
Hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus, delivered up according to the def definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, losing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be helped by it. What's Peter doing? He is saying that all the signs, wonders, all these things that you see, all the wonders in heaven, signs on earth below, all these things is being fulfilled. How? By Jesus Christ dying on the cross, being resurrected back, back to life. Okay? So you will see this throughout the book of Acts. Every time the disciples testify, they testify of Jesus Christ crucified, resurrected new life, spirit, right? It's all, you always see the same pattern. Jesus Christ crucified, resurrected, and now the spirit comes, okay? So this is the first time you see this pattern, you will see it more and more. I'm going to show you uh, 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 th uh, three points, three things for us to learn today. But just before I go into that, I want to tell you about something very exciting, right? Very exciting that's happening elsewhere in the world right now in February of 2023. How many of you have heard of the Asbury Revival? Stretch your hands. Just give me a little wave, right? So about 10% of us are aware of the Asbury Revival. Asbury is a Christian college in Kentucky, in America, okay? And about 11 days ago, this is, today is day 11, okay? Um, about 11 days ago, they had their normal ordinary chapel, okay? So they had chapel, I think it was a Wednesday morning, and you know, like, chapel is a bit like perhimponan, okay? Uh, I don't know how much you want to go for chapel, okay, if you were in a Christian college. Maybe you're oversaturated. I don't know, right? But it was, they were running chapel. God moved in this session because once chapel was done, a group of students decided to stay back. And as they just started praying and praying and worship continued and they prayed and worshipped and the people started to repent. And this went on all the way through that school day. They cancelled the classes. People started coming in. All the students started to fill their, their, their sanctuary in, in, As in Asbury College. And it has gone on non-stop until now. It's been 11 days counting. People from other colleges are starting to come. People going there experience and they report that they experience the power and the love of God. They're experiencing something that they, you know, I read one account. They say that time feels like it becomes elastic when you're there. Like you, you, you lose sense of of time when you're in there. One family went and they decided, they thought that we would drop by here to experience it for an hour. They ended up spending three and a half hours. It felt like it was too soon, right? So something different takes place when you enter an atmosphere where God has totally fallen in full measure. I don't even think, I won't even call it full measure, but He has fallen in a great measure. And there is an awakening, there is a quickening. And one thing that is notable about the Asbury Revival is that there's no special fancy lights, there's no smoke machines, there's no LED screens, there's no uh, uh, um, a fan. That, and actually, I didn't come up with that commentary. The, most of the commentary about Asbury Revival um, is the American church observing to themselves that, hey, a lot of the trappings of 
modern day 21st century 2023 church that we think is necessary in church you know it's not present here and a lot of people are saying that what do we see here a lot of worship a lot of prayer a lot of repentance a lot of word done and that's all that's all you need you know and i look at this and i admire it i admire it and in the days to come, you're probably going to hear about it anyway, even if I didn't share it with you. And so I want to help us all to, not just to process, but to know how to posture ourselves when there is a revival happening somewhere else in the world. Okay, so, so this is what Asbury should do for us. Whatever that, I do encourage you to go, check it out, read a little bit about it, track it, just a little bit, you know, see for yourself that, that this is not nothing, okay? But let this quicken your spirit for God. I think that's very important, right? When something is happening somewhere else, let it, allow it to, to, to draw you, to draw out of you a deeper hunger, a deeper desire for God, you know, um, and to cause you to just quicken in your heart and say, God, I see people loving you in this way. Lord, Deepen my love, deepen my thirst. I want to love you uh, uh, um, like this too. Or Lord, do something. And I and this is the second thing. I want you to look to local. I want you to, in other words, I want you to not just track what's happening far away in Kentucky, America. I want you to look back to your surroundings, to the church that we gather in every week, to the cell group you belong to, to the street that you live on, to the, ap the apartment block that you that that you live in, right? And Pray, pray, turn that, that global gaze into a local kind of, kind of influence, into a local engagement. Don't just track it as something happening from far away, but look back to what God is doing in your environment. Because it's very easy to just track something far away. In fact, this, 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 these are some of the things I don't want you to engage in. Okay, or uh, rather, I don't think it's healthy. Okay, so how do we respond to Asbury? Let it quicken your spirit for God and then look back to local. What's not helpful? What's not helpful is to track Asbury like another consumer news cycle. I think we are all prone to tracking news cycles. We are all prone to following something and then we keep going back and then we like follow the hashtag and we like read about it and like, oh, day six already, oh, day 12 already, oh, day 13 is like that. Wow, I heard that this thing is happening. Wow, I heard that. And then you end up tracking it like a consumer. You end up tracking it like a piece of news cycle, not different from tracking Black Lives Matter or if you are tracking whatever, lah, whatever news thing that's happening, you track it, track it, track it, right? Don't track it like another consumer cycle. It is not. Because the enemy would rather you spectate than you participate. You understand? And even if, even if the enemy, you leave the enemy out of this, our natural inclination, we are prone to spectating. Kita suka tonton. Right? We like to spectate. But we don't like to get ourselves involved. We don't like to get off the sofa, get off our phones and pray. And so I don't want us to track it like a consumer cycle. I also don't want this to trigger in us spiritual insecurity. Okay? And what I mean by spiritual insecurity, I mean, you, you guys familiar with the expression FOMO? F-O-M-O? FOMO means fear of missing out. Okay? Uh, it's a younger person's thing. Like, okay? um, now, 
it, when you are described as FOMO, it means that you're very scared. Like people doing nice things, like they eat at this cafe. Wow, I FOMO already. I want to go and eat at that cafe. You know, um, these people went for this exhibition. Wow, I FOMO. I have to go for this exhibition. That, that's that's FOMO. Now, I don't want you to FOMO over Asbury. I don't want spiritual insecurity to come like, oh, yo, uh, why, uh, why God don't give us this kind of uh, um, uh, revival? Uh? Is it because we're not good enough? Is it because we don't pray enough? Is it because we don't read our Bible? I, I read nine chapters, I didn't read ten chapters. Is that why God didn't uh, 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 give us? Uh, um, and, then, and then you are responding out of fear, out of insecurity, out of shame, out of all this negative emotion which is not what God desires from you. He desires from you an open hand, an open heart, and genuine desire for Him. So, this leads me to the two main things I want you to take away from Asbury. Chase after God. Chase after God. Not just after, and I put in, in, in quote marks, I want to be very careful about this, not just after revive, the revival, not just real, the revival, because sometimes we can pursue, we can pursue the emotional outpouring, we can pursue the, 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 the feeling of high, we can even pursue the droves of numbers coming into church, and some of these things can sometimes not be God. Sometimes in, in the midst of these things, God is not in some of those earthquakes. God is sometimes not in those winds. God is sometimes not in those fires. Okay? So I want us to be very careful. It is good to pray for revival. Of course it's good to pray for revival. Right? Of course it's good to pray that people's hearts are quickened for God. That people will long to be in His presence forever and hours and hours will pass. We all desire that. But be careful that in the course of chasing after revival, we don't miss the God of the revival. Amen? Amen? So, so I'm super pro-revival. I'm super pro-people loving God more, desiring after Him more, but make sure we are chasing God, not the movement. Are we good? Are we good? Let's pray for the folks in Asbury. I'll tell you something about them. I, I'm very heartened to hear this. Um, in the course of this little revival that's taking place, a lot of people, news agents, agencies are like news networks are coming in with their cameras they want to start filming this thing and, and and you know getting it on getting the scoop for news you know christian celebrities and influencers are descending on the college wanting to um, do videos um, of them being there at asbury and you know and and that's content that will definitely go viral you know and and in the wake of this there are a lot of people even christians who are looking to commercialize this and leverage on this and make themselves visible in conjunction and in connection with what's happening here. And I'm very heartened to hear that the school authorities have been telling all of them absolutely no. You will not film this thing, right? You will not bring your TV crew in. You will, all these Christian celebrities and influencers will not make, create content in this space, right? No space here. This is God's space, not a commercialized news space. Okay, and I'm very heartened. But you know what? 
this thing, they're going to face pressures from people who are going to try to ride on it and gain mileage from it and all that. So let's pray for the folks in Asbury. Can we do that? Can we do that? Let's pray right now. Heavenly Father, we just bring uh, the good folks in Asbury College before you and we pray and ask, Lord God, that you protect them, Lord God, from all the forces that are trying to commercialize uh, um, this, that are trying to televise the revival, Father God. Father, we pray that you protect them and keep all the trappings of our modern uh, 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 sensibilities at bay, Father God, so that the disciples in the sanctuary can really encounter you, so that as more people pour in, 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 into the college, so that as all the overflow rooms and all the neighbouring colleges start to catch this fire, Father, we pray for such a spirit of of. of purity and holiness and such a singular attentiveness to you will be there in their midst so that they will be always seeking you and not seeking after the things that's part of Christian commercialized uh, church industry. So Father, we just pray for purity to be there in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Alright, let's move back back uh, to, to Acts chapter 2. Summary of Pentecost, the disciples gather Sound of rushing wind. Holy Spirit fills. The sound fills the house. Not Holy Spirit yet. The sound fills the whole house. But that's important. Filling of a whole house is something that if you're a Jew, it should trigger, it should trigger certain thoughts. Okay? It fills the whole house. Tongues of fire rest on the disciples. Now they are filled with the Holy Spirit and they speak in other tongues. And then secondarily, the Jewish migrants hear. They hear it in their local language. Okay? Most amazed but some will mock, okay? And then Peter preaches, 3,000 in the end are saved and baptised. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on, okay? Three things. Number one, God fills the temple. When you desire after God, you call after Him, you seek after Him. At Pentecost, God filled the temple, okay? I'm going to go a bit into this because you're thinking, ah, I'm a good student of the Bible and I don't think it says there God filled the temple. It says God filled the people, right? We'll get into that. Number two, God gives new tongues. And number three, God turns the people around, right? Number one, God fills the temple. Now, the Jews have a long and, and very powerful expectation and story about God filling the temple. The Jews have always had some form of temple. In, in, when they were wandering in the desert, they had a tabernacle. It was a makeshift tent-like temple where one of the tents was set apart as the tabernacle and they would go there to worship God. And on one occasion, God filled it. After they built it, after they assigned everything that they needed for it, God filled it. And then years later, they built a proper temple. If proper means brick and mortar, they built themselves a brick. They built, built themselves. They built God a brick and mortar temple. And then God filled it too. Where do we see it? Exodus 40. This was the tabernacle, the tent. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of Yahweh filled the tabernacle and Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it and the glory of Yahweh filled the tabernacle. And then years later, as soon as Solomon finished his prayer, prayer dedicating the brick and mortar temple, fire came down from heaven, consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and again, same thing. The glory of Yahweh filled the temple and the priests could not enter the house of Yahweh because the glory of Yahweh had filled Yahweh's house. 
this is something if you are a Jew and you are accustomed to praying the, the, the Torah, you are accustomed with, with what happens in, in Scripture. This is not 2 Samuel 7. I'm so sorry. It's 2 Chronicles something. Chronicles. Okay, someone, someone will check this out. Okay, um, I copy-paste and I forgot to change the top. My bad. Okay, now if you're a Jew, right, you will be thinking about these things and you're aware that when God fills the temple, something new happens, right? And so, um, Matthew 3, right, Jesus himself already says, Jesus prepares them already, right? Um, or rather, John the Baptist, okay, and for those of us who were here earlier, you saw the Lego John the Baptist with the big eyes. Is that John the Baptist? Okay, um, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire. And so, John the Baptist has already said this, okay? And if you are aware, and there was a quite a movement gathering around John the Baptist, you would be aware that there is one who's going to come after John the Baptist who will baptize with these two things, Holy Spirit and fire, okay? As it turns out, tongues of fire, Holy Spirit falls down. This was fulfilled at Pentecost. This was fulfilled in that room while they were praying, you know, or while they were gathered, and that and, and, so, and so, how do we know, okay, uh, that this is associated with temple language? Now, that's important. And this is something that I teach here. I'm, I'm, I, it's important for our understanding of Scripture to know that, to understand that we are now the temple. We are now the temple. The, there used to be a temple in Jerusalem. The temple's been torn down. It's been torn down multiple times, right? At least twice, right? The tabernacle has been folded up, you know? And today, we are that temple. How do we know this? Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You've been bought with a price. Your body is the temple. So what happened effectively at Pentecost is that the Holy Spirit filled the temple just as it did in Exodus 40 when the Holy Spirit filled the tabernacle just as it did in, 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 at, the, at the dedication of, this, of Solomon's temple the Holy Spirit filled the temple at Pentecost the Holy Spirit fills you and I or rather the disciples long before you and I and so today where the temple is the intersection between heaven and earth, between God's realm and our realm, between the heavens and the earth. And Jesus taught us to pray, Lord, let your will be done where? On earth, as it is in heaven. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Meaning that what happens on earth is replication of what happens in the heavenlies. Therefore, there is an intersection where what is on earth is like what is in heaven. There is an intersection of where God's world crisscrosses, collides with our world. It used to be the tabernacle. It used to be the temple. Today, where is it? It's us. It's us. The Holy Spirit fell on folks like us. So today, 
You are the temple, 1 Corinthians 6. You are the temple. You are the intersection. And so that wherever you go, you carry the gateway for God to come into this world so that through you on earth as it is in heaven. Do not trivialize. Do not undermine your power as a believer, as a person of God, as a daughter and son of God. Never undermine how powerful you are to be a conduit and a carrier and a gateway for the power of God to come into the world you occupy. And I can't occupy the world you occupy. And you can't occupy the world, the, the worlds that some of us occupy. We all spread out. We all go out. On Monday, we all go to our workplaces, we go to our schools, we go to our neighbourhoods and all that. We all go out. And the song says, Let your glory fall in this room. Let it go far from here. From here. To where? To the nations, right? Let your fragrance rest in this place, right? As we gather to seek your face. That's church. And that's Monday. That's Sunday church. That's Monday church. Sunday church is as we gather to seek your face. They're coming home after the long week, right? And then the week, the Monday is, let it go forth from here to the nations. That's what it means. And so the Word of God says that the whole earth will be filled with His glory, right? Isaiah chapter 6. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth will be filled with His glory, right? As the waters close the sea. I always used to imagine that as kind of like a flood, Kind of like a, like a second Noah And I imagine the God's, God's glory like, like a watery kind of substance fl- Filling the whole earth The way a flood would And God corrected my imagination of that He said, no No, this is how my glory fills the earth As the waters close the sea I fill my people With the power of the Holy Spirit My people cover the whole earth as the waters close the sea. And where my people go, my glory shall go in them, through them, because they shall be a gateway for the King to come in. Amen? Amen? It's so important. This, the, we are new temple. Okay? We are the new temple. So new temple theology is super important. I want all of us to get it right. You get it right, you understand Acts. You get it right, you understand signs and wonders. You get it right, you understand how Old Testament is preparing you for this. If you don't get it right, then all of this spooky stuff is just ad hoc and, and, and kind of like, like, it just comes in, it suddenly comes in here, it has almost no relationship to the Old Testament. But if you understand that you are the temple and now supernatural and natural crisscross in you, then it makes a difference. Now everything makes sense. Old Testament, New Testament, and our future makes absolute sense. Okay? Right, we're going to go on. We don't need this. I think you all know. Okay? We are temple of the host. Why have human hosts as a temple? Right? In many ways, I think we, we, when we pray, now I just want to say this. Whenever we gather to pray, we establish an altar. We say, God, come. Come to this place, right? We establish an atmosphere where we say, God, this is your place. This is your altar. And I sacrifice my time. I sacrifice my availability. I sacrifice my attention at this altar. And at this altar, it becomes a holy place. A holy place for God's presence to come there. That is where the gateway is, right? Okay? So I just want to be, uh, help us to understand this. Now, 
I have shared before. Last week, I showed you guys, um, I, I referenced three different sermons from, from the past that speak about this. I do, if you want to hear more on this, you can go to these sermons. You can just go to YouTube. You can just type in Sungai Bulo SIBKL New Temple, Sungai Bulo SIBKL Altars and Gateways, or God with the Off. Or actually, you just go to, the, go to the channel. You can just scroll and you can find these sermons, okay? And these talk a lot about this intersection of heaven and earth in us, okay? Just one little correction. At this sermon, I told a story that was related to me, okay? Someone relate a story to me about them being in Berlin and them at visiting the Temple of Zeus. And I think that there was something about... And he told me something someone else related to him. And I think that this thing that someone else related to him was not quite accurate. That someone else related to him that people were gathering at the Temple of Zeus in Berlin and they were offering sacrifice. So and one of our guys corrected me and said, I don't think that's possible. Security is super tight. So I just wanted to, before I send you to this, let you know that I think there's an inaccuracy in that story. My bad, okay? But nonetheless, if you want to understand more about how we are the new temple, you can go to these sermons and we can move on, okay? Let's move on. Let's pray, okay? Um, Father, we just want to pray, Father God. I just, want to, I, I just want us to pray. I just want us to pray. Let's take a moment, okay? Father, I just want to pray. And remember, remember that we are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Father, I just want to pray and seek you and ask, Lord God, that you just quicken our hearts, quicken our hearts for you, Father God, and teach us to know that as the gateway between heaven and this wrecked earth. And Father, when we look around our, the world we live in, there's much, there's much that we long to see improve. There's much that we grieve over. We see, uh, uh, we see people hurting people. We see the earth hurting, uh, uh, crying out. We see what happened with the, the, the earthquake in Turkey and, and, and Syria. We see all of these things. We see right on our doorstep, crime, people hurting, uh, people dying. And Father, our hearts bleed, our hearts ache. And Lord Jesus, we are asking you right now to use us. Today, church, I want you to all just hold your hands open as you are praying. Lord Jesus, today my hands are open. And as I open my hands before you, this is my way of saying, I am open. I am open for you to suggest. I am open for you to instruct. I am open for you to send. Even as Isaiah said, Here I am, Lord. Send me. Father, I pray, Father God, that you will use us and send us so that we too can cover the earth as the waters clothe the sea and your glory can go from here to the nations, if not just to the streets around where we live or where we work. So Father, I give you thanks. I give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Isn't it nice to pray in church? You all like praying in church? One thing I learned about praying in church, Pastor Ramesh leads prayer at our prayer altars many times. One thing I learned about praying in church is this. When someone else leads prayer, you don't get to decide what gets prayed. When someone else leads prayer, you don't get to decide. So the agenda is not in you, your head. You don't get to initiate. Someone else initiates. And what that teaches us, uh, teaches me, is that prayer is not about what I want. Prayer is about us coming together to seek after what God wants, right? And so, frankly, I learn more about prayer when I pray with other people than when I pray by myself. I learn way more. Why? Because I know my thoughts. 
I don't know Pastor Ramesh's thoughts. I don't know Athalia's thoughts all the time. So when they lead in prayer and I hear the substance of their prayer, I get to have my mindset shift and I go, yeah, I want that too. And then, how do I agree? I say, amen, right? And that's praying with other people. Come for dominate altar, right? We really want to pray together. But even if you don't, I want us to pray more in the, even in the sermon uh, uh, in the coming Sundays. God filled the temple. And in so doing, He created a new temple people. And then, God gave them new tongues. New tongues, okay? Now, Romans 8 says this about tongues. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us. Intercede means do on your behalf, okay? The Spirit intercedes on our behalf, okay? With groanings too deep for words. So you got to hear this. Groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints, that's all of us, according to the will of God. Now, there is a lot happening there. Let me package it for you. Now, I, I'm saying this because some of you might be thinking, Pastor Ferks, speaking in tongues, I know already. I got this many years already. Right? I understand what it is. I understand what it isn't. But we have some among us who are newer to the faith. And I don't want you uh, to not understand what speaking in tongues is, okay? So speaking in tongues is no, there are no actual words, okay? It's not an actual language with a lexicon and, and, and grammar rules, you know? So it's not, it's not an actual language in the way a linguist would define a language, okay? And no, we, are, we, we have not lost control of ourselves. It's not some form of trance. It's not some form of the spirit kind of like forcibly taking over and then manifesting uh, uh, in us, okay? So it's not that everyone here praying in tongues is fully in control of what they are doing. And we can start at the same time. We can stop at the same time. And if we need to stop, we can stop. When my daughter runs up and I need to speak to her, I can stop. So speaking in tongues is not something where we lose control. What is it? Yes, it is a stand-in for the thoughts, the feelings, the hopes, the desires, the inner stuff that's inside us that sometimes we just don't have words to articulate. Sometimes we have not even really understood how we feel about something. But there is a pain. There is an in unarticulated grief or there is an unarticulated joy or celebration or something, whatever it is in us. And then the Spirit, as you saw in Romans chapter 8, intercedes with groanings too deep for words. We don't have the words for it. Can you, do you know how slow it would be to, to run through the thesaurus in my brain, to, to come up with the right, accurate words to pray and say to God. But the Spirit takes over. And then I just make groans and sounds, and, and they are just sounds. Right? They're just sounds. Okay? But they're not just sounds. They're sounds of our Spirit in collaboration with the Holy Spirit, praying out loud. Okay? This is not an extensive uh, 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 tongues uh, session, so I have to move on. But I know that especially for those of you either who are new to this faith or who have come in from a different kind of church or denominational background, I wanted to walk you through this, okay? So you, you don't get spooked by it, okay? It's nothing spooky. We are in fully, fully in control, okay? Now, 1 Corinthians 12 says that the spirit, the gift of the tongues is a gift, okay? Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So, just so we know, speaking in tongues is not the only proof or only sign that you are filled with the Spirit. 
Okay, you can be filled with the Spirit and not speak in tongues. And, and, and that's something we hold, right? Um, and there are many gifts. For to one is given the Spirit of utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge. And then there's a dot, 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 because there are many others. I don't want to clutter this slide up. And to another, various kinds of tongues. So this is a gift that the Holy Spirit gives us. And now, eagerly desire the greater gifts. In other words, this is something that if you want, you can desire it. It's not wrong to want it. It's not wrong to pray for it. I don't assume that all of us can speak in tongues and pray in tongues. I don't even assume that all of you are immediately comfortable with it. Some of you may be coming from traditions that, where, where it's harder for you to just jump right in and say, hey, this, this is not the new norm, right? But nonetheless, I'm showing you through Scripture that these are things that God has appointed for us as gifts for us to possess. And I want to pray with us right now that we can, perhaps, hopefully, this is my prayer, that one day all of us can have this gift. Okay? So I want to pray with us right now. Right? Pray that we shall all be filled with the Holy Spirit and the gift of tongues. Let's pray together for a moment. Father, I just pray, Father God, that you will release this gift to every one of my brothers and sisters. Father, firstly, if, if there are anyone among us who are still questioning, they're skeptical, uh, they're unsure, and, and, and it's, it, it's some, of, so, some of these wrestlings are entirely valid, Lord God. You see the experiences we've had. You see and you hear how um, we, have been, we are cautious about not falling into error. We're cautious about not wanting to stray away from you, a true living God. And we are cautious about spiritual things because sometimes we just don't understand it enough. And yet, Lord, you are said in your word that the gift of tongues, various tongues, is a gift that you give and that it is a good thing to desire after them. Lord, with my limited knowledge and my limited understanding, I want to say, Lord, if this is a good gift, I would like to have it. Can you give me the gift of tongues? And so, Father, I pray for all of us that those who already have this gift will continue to exercise it in greater measure. For those of us who have never received it, I pray, Holy Spirit, in your gentle, loving, and true way, fall upon our people right now and give them a release into the gift of praying and speaking in tongues. In Jesus' name, Amen. I share with you all my story about receiving the gift of tongues. I was in Australia. I was a new believer. I was in a church, mostly students, and the pastor was praying for me. They were all really eager, really good people, really eager for me to, to be able to break out in tongues. And we prayed. I think we stood there for like 15 minutes non-stop, maybe longer, and they were just like praying down so loud. And they were like, you know, the atmosphere was becoming really loud. And I really wanted it, okay? I really was like, had my hands open, and I was like ready. I was like, Lord, give now. Come on, come on, God, give, God, give, God, give. And they were praying and praying and praying and praying and praying and praying. Actually, Nothing jadi. Okay? Okay? Nothing jadi. And I was just like, ah, nothing ah. Okay lah, never mind lah. Then he said, don't worry. Don't worry, we're just praying. We're just praying along with you. Don't worry if nothing jadi, right? Because this is for God to give. Okay? So I'm not saying this to, 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 to mock in any way, okay? That's just my experience. They said, don't worry if nothing happened. Okay? Just go home. And, and we'll, we'll pray along with you in the days to come as well. That night, I sat on my bed. I opened my Bible. I was reading my Bible. I looked up from my Bible. Boom, it came. Right? And so, I don't want us to like, you know, like, oh, 
and like, you know, kind of like force it upon you. You can't force these things, on, you know. But I want to pray gently that the Holy Spirit can come upon you in your own private moments or in your collective moment, whatever moment, and He can release this for you, okay? Amen? Amen? Now, I want to bring our attention to one little part. I do want to do a little bit of teaching because I don't want us to get the wrong idea about Pentecost and tongues, okay? They were dwelling in Jerusalem and then all the people come, right? Remember, all the devout Jews from every nation come and you will hear sometimes people who, who are suspicious of tongues, okay, in the wider Christendom say that actually this was not tongues, it was a tongues, but it was a special expression of tongues where everyone was speaking a special, uh, 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 an actual language. They were releasing actual language. And so I recently heard a sermon where a pastor was saying that it's as if the guy was speaking fluent German, right? And then if you're German, you hear that, wow, wow, how do you learn how to speak German? Now, it's true. I have experienced and met someone um, who was praying and releasing an actual language, okay? Um, or at least heard by the recipients as an actual language, okay? But I want you to know that is not what is happening here. So, when it comes to speaking and communication, you have a sender. Sender says something. You have a receiver. Receiver catches that something, right? Okay? So, What's happening here is not sender is sending German, sender is sending uh, uh, Parthian and Meads and, and, and all these other languages. And then all these other foreigners are going like, wow, you're speaking fluent German, you're speaking fluent French, you know, that's not what's happening. Senders are breaking into tongues. That's obvious from the text. Senders are just breaking into new tongues. Recipients are hearing it in their respective language. So, if you have Sasabahan there, they will hear all that cacophony, they're hearing it in BM. If you have a, a, a Singaporean, they'll be hearing it in Mandarin, something like that, right? If you have a German, they'll be hearing all that in German. Sanders are just breaking in tongues. Okay, I think that's important for us to know the senders are not suddenly being able to pray in a new language for a short amount of time. But the recipients are hearing them in their own language. Okay, I want to move on. Now, Pentecost, because of this, Pentecost is a reversal of Babel. If you're new to this faith, Babel was something that happened a long time ago to the people of God. Right? They built a city with their own hands. They shared one language at that time and because they, they were so proud of what they could do, they decided to build a tower reaching into the skies because they felt that they could reach God by the building of their own hands. Okay? So they built a tower to God, right? expecting that they could reach Him by, and, they, and they marveled at their own works. Okay? This is just a painting. And then God confused them, saw that this is sinful, it's idolatrous, right? So at Babel, God divided people into many languages, dispersed them into many lands, and prevented further idolatry and self-glory. What happens at Pentecost is a reversal of what happened at Babel. God united the people by a new spirit, by a new spiritual language, and with a new desire, a new heart's desire. And He's doing this to reach more people groups, to reach more language groups, to reach more people. So, so now, from a dispersion 
in Babel, which is in Genesis chapter 11, way back in your Bible, now there is going to be an ingathering of peoples from multiple tongues and they're all going to be gathered to achieve the same ends, which is to get closer to God. But by what means? By the means of the Spirit. Not by the means of our own self-glory, not by the means of our own building, okay? But by the power of God. That's the reversal that God is doing. God is doing a reversal in many things. God is reversing things happening in your life. God is able and capable through the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon your life to reverse things that happened in the past. And I just want to speak this over you. I did not plan this part. I just want to speak this over you. That as God encounters you, He's going to turn shame into acceptance. He's going to turn brokenness into being whole. He's going to turn your, your failures and your sense of being defeated, He's going to turn that into a sense of victory, a sense of belonging, a sense of being belonged to someone and He covers over you. God is a God who reverses. Amen? Let's just pray for a moment. Father, I just want to pray and release such a healing over our people today. So, Father, I just want to pray that over all brokenness, Father God, from the past, you too will bring a revival. You too will bring, that you will bring a restoration and a healing upon our people so that there will be a reversal of things happen in the past so that today we can come into your presence fully ready to receive you and fully ready to be transformed into a family of believers. In Jesus' name, amen. God fills the temple, He gives new tongues, and I'm going to close, He turns the people around. And this is what happens when He turns the people around, right? The sons and daughters shall start prophesying. I just... Uh, I, 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 shan't, I, I shan't run away from this. The sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men will see visions. Old men will see dreams. Male servants, ma female servants, basically Sarata, right? Everybody, right, comes into the power of God. And you will see later Paul saying this in different words. Paul says that from now in the church, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is no or Jew, Jew nor Gentile. There is no high class or low class. There is no distinction in a sense between men and women and their access. There is no, there is no, there is no all of these things that our society categorizes us and puts us onto hierarchies and tells us that some people have access and some people are more privileged and others are not. And in the church, some were Sarata. In the church, everyone has equal access to the living God. In the church, everyone has equal access into the power of our God for healing, for salvation, and so on. Right? And so, this is the transformation that you are going to see. One of the things that you're going to see is that, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the Lord will be saved. And you're going to see in the weeks to come that what everyone who calls means is that all the nations that are going to be touched in the book of Acts, okay? I showed this last week, okay? This is an overview slide. All the nations that are going to move out from Jerusalem to Samaria, Damascus, and, uh, and Joppa, Caesarea, Antioch, Lystra, Cyprus, Philippi, and it goes on and out and out and out. And right here in Acts chapter 10, in Acts chapter 10, you're going to encounter Peter breaking out of his Jewish uh, um, uh, kind of, kind of uh, 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 ghetto into a Gentile's home. 
He goes into a haram home, if you may put it in those words. And he brings the power of God into that home. That his whole community says, it's not halal, you can't go in. Right? It's not kosher. You can't go in. He goes in. He brings the power of the living God into that place and you, ex- you are going to witness a second Pentecost happening at Acts chapter 10. You're going to witness in Acts chapter 10 the Holy Spirit coming on all the people, now the non-Jews, okay, who heard the message. And the circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that Yahweh's Holy Spirit can even be poured on non-Jews. Hallelujah. And today, we are all recipients of that. Right? Amen? So, for them, they were speaking in tongues as well and praising God. Church, this Acts series is a series about us coming together, understanding that the fire of God is not just meant to stay in the church. The fire of God is meant to go out. And it's meant to go out and out and out. And today, we gather Tomorrow we go. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Why don't we rise? Can I have the worship team on stage? Why don't we rise? Heavenly Father, I just pray, Lord God, that as we arise, as we stand on our feet, as we stretch our legs, as we stretch our arms and roll our shoulders back, as we turn our attention to You just for a little bit more, Father, I pray that You will cause Your Spirit to quicken our hearts. Father, I pray, Father God, that you will cause your own glory, your own goodness to come because we are standing here waiting for you, O Lord God. Father, I pray, Father God, that here we are, standing right here. All of us standing. And I pray that we are not standing in each other's presence. We are actually standing in your presence. Father, I pray that you will, as you come, turn our own lives around. Turn our lives around, Lord God, so that we can experience what it's like. Whatever our friends over in Kentucky are experiencing in Asbury, we want to experience that too. But not from a formal spirit. We just want you, Lord God. We just want you. So here we are, Father God, standing in your presence. We ask for your glory to come in this place. Let's just hold our hands up and worship. Sincere, honest, open worship. We're not trying to jam anything up. Just love the Lord in this last few minutes of our gathering. Hallelujah. Oh Father, we ask, Lord God, that your glory come. Your glory come, Lord God, in this place. Fill our own hearts, Lord God. Transform us first, Lord God. Oh Father, we repent, Lord God, if we've got any attitudes in our hearts, any sin in our hearts, anything in us, Lord God, that makes that defiles us, defiles our own spirit, oh Lord God, forgive us. Even right now, we ask, forgive us, oh Lord God. Forgive us, O Lord God. For who shall ascend the mountain of the Lord? Those with clean hands and a pure heart. Father, forgive us. As we repent, Father God, we ask for the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon us. Rest upon us, O Lord God. Rest upon us and give us give us the, the, the discernment and the wisdom and the sensitivity to your Spirit to know what to do next. In the meantime, Lord God, Father, every heart here open to you. Holy Spirit, if there is any of us here who are desiring to take one step closer to you, church, if you want to take one step closer to God, 
Just make that tiny step. No one's looking and you can't hardly see your step, but God sees it. Just take that one little step in front of you where you are standing. And when you do that, you are saying it to yourself. It's a manifestation of what is happening in your heart. If you want to make that one tiny step, just take that step in front of you right now. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. We thank you for that little step, that little step towards you. And we know that when we make one small step towards you, you cross, you cross time and space to reach us. You take a million steps to reach us for every one small step we take toward you. So Father, I pray for all our people here today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord turn His face to shine upon you and be so gracious to you. May the Lord turn His countenance toward you and give you shalom. And all of God's people say, Amen. Amen. Amen, church. Amen. Come, let's give God praise. Let's give God praise in this house.